Chapter Five of The Garden of Folly by Stephen Leacock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: Romances of Business. Note: Business having become the most important thing in life, it is quite clear that it is destined to swallow up the feeble things that we used to call literature and art. They must accommodate themselves or die. The two little romances that follow here are intended to show how this accommodation may be effected. It is now an open secret among all those who have anything to do with the making of the magazines that the advertising pages have come to be more interesting than the rest of the text. They are written by more highly trained and highly paid people, they are better illustrated, and carry all through a higher interest, more punch, in short, any businessman turns to the advertising pages first and only when he has exhausted them does he fall back on the duller pages of romance and fiction which fill up the middle of the magazine this situation is one which threatens our literature and i think the time has come when our story writers must create a new interest it seems to me that this can best be done by borrowing from the advertising pages the glow of idealization which we have seen them to possess and at the same time that exactness of information as to costumes materials and prices in which they excel out of this a new school of fiction may evolve such stories as number one alfred of the advertisements a romance of the back pages the earliest recollections of alfred ellicott whose life forms the subject of this chronicle were of his family home in new england on the banks of the stickamuppet a stream noted to-day for its attraction to tourists being with an easy motor ride from both new york and boston and reached also by the boston and maine railway whose admirable dining-car service makes access to the district and egress from it a sustained pleasure and which welcomes any complaint from its patrons in regard to the incivility of its employees here alfred passed his boyhood the house in which he lived was a typical colonial mansion known in the neighbourhood as the ads it was built in the colonial style see booklet with a tall portico and wide sloping roof shingled everywhere with the new lay-easy shingles the principal advantage in which is represented by reducing labor cost two men being able easily to lay three squares thirty by ten feet in one morning in fact these are the shingles of which mr p o woodhead see insert the well-known builder of potsdam new hampshire has said in his impressive way they reduce cost here alfred spent a solitary boyhood his time spent largely in reverie and daydreams. When not able to sleep naturally, he found that two grains of sleep tight inhaled up his nose brought on a delightful slumber from which he awoke completely refreshed at fifty cents a packet. It was when Alfred had reached the age of nineteen years that lovely Louisa, a distant relative, came to live at the Ads. The girl had been left an orphan by the death of parents who had not known that ten minutes exercise on the system done on the floor of their bedroom would have preserved the lives of both of them 
she had moreover been rendered penniless by the folly of a guardian who had never understood that investment is now a science that can be learned in seven lessons post paid by applying at once penniless as she was lovely louisa on her arrival at the ads made an instant impression on the young and susceptible heart of alfred when she alighted from a motor-car the tires of which were guaranteed to carry her twenty thousand miles and which rolled with excellent softness over the driveway which had been treated with asphaltomix which can be laid on by a child the young girl presented a picture that charmed the eye she was wearing one of the new bursagleria tailored suits which combine smartness with comfort and which have the special advantage that they come in all sizes and can be fitted not only to a frame as slender as lovely louisa's but also on ladies of fuller figure a set of measurements and directions being given with each suit we may be sure that louisa had such a set with her when she alighted she wore her suit under one of the new fascisti hats which kill at a hundred yards and over a pair of tall tan boots which combine grace with comfort by being designed by an expert to fit easily on the instep and to move in harmony with the bones on the anthrax under her suit again far under louisa wore one of this year's skin-fit combinations which was imported directly from lyon and without which no lady should be when we say that the girl on alighting made a picture that would have pleased the eye of a hermit or a lobster or an undergraduate we are not overstating it alfred who was wearing one of the new now or never tailored gray suits over brown boots as he stepped forth to meet the girl felt that his heart was no longer in his own keeping during the days which followed the youthful alfred became the constant companion and in addition the guide and mentor of the lovely girl himself a keen golfer he had soon initiated his beautiful cousin into the mysteries of golf and taught her to appreciate a good elastic ball such as the nineteen twenty four smacko of which the outer case is guaranteed never to chip or crumble under the same tutelage the mysteries of mahjong an excellent set of which has now been placed on the market direct from china remember the words direct from china afforded the young people a fascinating refuge from thought it was a great pleasure to alfred during these sweet hours of companionship to watch the gradual unfolding of the girl's mind to help it to unfold the young man purchased and read out loud to louisa a correspondence course in political economy and municipal taxation such as would enable the girl to fill a position of trust as tax assessor municipal expert or consulting town engineer together also they read over a course on cost accounting and overhead reckoning by which louisa would have fitted at any moment to act as an insurance appraiser or to take over bankrupt stock then with every day the girl acquired new power of mind and a wider outlook indeed as professor o j hooch d f organizer of the world's correspondence school in room six avenue four seven one eight omaha says outlook means look out 
we need not denote in full the blissful but anxious days during which alfred conscious of his love hung suspended between hopes and fears we will only say that the suspenders that he used were of the new hollower type with the central pulley adjusted to the play of his shoulders no doubt this delicate adjustment helped the young man through the most troubled period of life keeping his shoulders flat and putting no pressure on his abdomen in short they are the very braces which mr j o p bughouse of wichita kansas whose picture is usually annexed has said they are the only ones i ever use during this enchanted period of courtship alfred contrived in various ways to convey the feelings which he dared not utter knowing that flowers can now be sent by telegraphic order to any address he had them expressed to louisa from all parts of the country these orders which were received at any hour of the day or night were filled under the direction of a staff of trained experts on whose taste and discretion the customer may place the utmost reliance in short it is of these orders that the well-known florist mr j q w mudd of wastabula washington has said in that terse language which he uses let us send them in addition to the flowers alfred also sent seeds bulbs and shoots for which the charge is exactly the same and no greater the inevitable time drew near when alfred of the ads felt that he must know his fate and must hazard all on an avowal of his love for this however he had prepared himself he had overcome the natural diffidence of youth by purchasing and perusing a little manual called why be diffident self-confidence acquired by a new system of treatment in two lessons at fifty cents each alfred in sending for this little booklet enclosed u s postage stamps but it is important to notice that bills express orders or any form of legal tender are similarly accepted for it nor was lovely louisa unprepared she too had studied a little manual entitled what a young girl ought to know and she knew it the fateful moment came kneeling on one knee in front of louisa a thing which he was enabled to do without risk by wearing never crease trousers alfred declared his love in a few easy sentences selected from his manual the deep blush which coloured the face of the lovely louisa was answer enough alfred rose to his feet with an easy movement of his suspenders and clasped the girl to his heart there is no need here to describe the charming home wedding with which the marriage of alfred and louisa was celebrated at the ads the good old place was cleaned and redecorated from cellar to basement alfred using for this purpose the new pneumo wheeze vacuum cleaner which can be had on free trial for ten days and which is guaranteed to remove dust from every corner and crevice it is of this cleaner that mr x q overhead himself a t q of yale the well-known expert has said they are the best cleaner that i know the catering was placed in the hands of a catering firm the invitations were printed and issued by an invitation firm the officiating clergyman was engaged on a simple basis of cost plus louisa looked charming in a wedding gown which could have been returned without charge if not satisfactory alfred's costume was guaranteed by the maker himself
and as the happy pair sank back luxuriously on the seat of the landau a shock absorber with every car alfred placed his arm twice around louise's waist and murmured it pays to advertise number two tom latchford promoter a story which carries with it what is called an atmosphere of business and which may safely be read without loss of efficiency in the little factory town of smudgeville the five o'clock whistles blew the machines stopped the steam died the hands quit the doors closed the factory shut work was over seth latchford shut the door of the tumble-down place that was called latchford's works and went and sat on a pile of shingles thinking of his overhead costs the latchford business was so undermined by overhead that with any further depression it would go up altogether all around seth as he sat were the great piles of crumbled gray dust that represented his five years efforts to make cement the old latchford farm on the outskirts of the factory town had been all torn up and scarred with the fruitless attempt as seth sat there one might have looked twice or even three times at the man without noticing anything especial about him but if one looked four times one observed more than one has remarked in three times the face and attitude were those of a man who had failed but there was something too in the hard-bitten tight-lipped close-nipped short-necked appearance of the man that showed that in his case failure after all meant little more than lack of success seth latchford rose painfully from the bunch of shingles locked the door of the mean place that he called his works and walked across the lot to the house he called his home where the woman he called his wife was cooking supper for the things he called his children things any better to-day she queried seth head shook dejectedly are your overhead expenses per unit of output still disproportionate to the selling cost of the product asked the sad-eyed woman as she helped her husband to the fried potatoes yes men desponded seth the capital cost of operation shows an ascending curve right along i see said men thoughtfully as she poured out molasses for the children and each further increment of outlay merely agglomerates your differential it does said seth there was a silence and seth rose where you going throbbed his wife out to sit on the shingles seth glumped and think about my overhead and my differential cost all right said men then suddenly her face sanguinated oh seth she said i forgot there's a letter from brother tom he'll be here in the morning and he says he can straighten everything out two next morning tom latchford promoter blew into smudgeville and together tom and seth walked round the plant and looked at the crumbling piles of gray dust the brothers were a contrast seth bent and hesitant tom square-built bull-chested ox-necked box-jawed pop-eyed in short a hundred and fifty per cent american all through see here seth said tom you've tried five years to make cement and you failed seth desponded assent you've crushed up all the rocks on the old place and you've nothing for it but these piles of dirt seth ingurgitated but without speaking 
well look here tom went on i've got an idea and it's a big thing if we can pull it off and bring it down i believe we can put it over what are you going to do asked seth going to make a fortune out of this dirt but first of all i want a thousand dollars cash i haven't got it exhaled seth and the bank won't lend it i've tried em pshaw said tom show me the way to that bank i'll get it tom latchford walked straight to the smudgeville first national bank straight into it and straight through to the manager's room there was something compelling about the man something dynamic in the way he sat down and something almost titanic or teutonic in the way he laid his hat on the table see here mr beanhead he said i want the loan of a thousand dollars the manager spasmed on what security he winced none said latchford the manager brightened you offer no collateral at all he said not a cent said tom except my personality good said the banker delighted you shall have it the personal element mr latchford has become the ne plus ultra of business i recognize in you one of those full-blooded high-pepped long-sighted wide-eyed men who are entitled to bank loans this bank will back you three that night seth and men and tom sat in consultation over their buttermilk and pancakes at the supper table what do you mean to do with the money tom asked men tom buttermilked a minute and then going to get a gang of men and treat that dirt treat it yes treat it run it into bats and out again sluice it pulverize it sling it round anything seth stopped pancaking and ear lifted what's that for he exuded i'll tell you said tom i'm going to raise bonds on it and float a company and make a clean-up but it's only dirt said seth somehow we failed every time to make it harden into cement i don't want cement said the promoter dirt will do here's the idea i'm going to give it a name something high-sounding see something that seems to mean value did you ever hear of molybdenum well what is it you don't know or carborundum or tellurium you don't know what they are the public don't know what they are but they mean money find a deposit of any of them and your fortune's made seth head nodded silent i'll have an assayer come tom went on and make an assay of all that dirt and crushed rock that's only for appearance of course i don't care what he calls it i'll give it a name that sounds good and announce it as a big discovery see the name i've settled on is palladium we'll announce a find of palladium and form a company to work it men looked up from the little pile of children's clothing that she was sewing issuing common stock she said as she bit off a piece of thread on a basis of prospective earnings capitalized but what then said seth if we sell the stock and it's no good we don't need to worry we sell it and then we clear out where to the sad-eyed woman looked up from the little garment in her lap havana she said four within a week it was known all over smudgeville that heavy deposits of palladium had been found on the old latchford place gangs of men were at work derricks cranes bats and sluices rose all over the place little crowds of people stood round to watch the palladium was put into a converter and carried from there to a container from which it passed to a disturber 
it was then put into a hopper what is it asked the people palladium was the answer the smudgeville intelligence explained that palladium was a graminiferous amygdaloid and that its calcareous properties rendered it of great commercial value it was practically impervious to collusion which made it a high soporific an assayer was brought a real one and he walked round over the latchford place and carried off samples the promoter let all the town know that the assayer had been on the property but the report of the analysis of the dirt tom latchford showed to no one he shoved it into the drawer of the kitchen dresser unopened it was the assayer he wanted not the report then tom latchford called again upon the banker mr beanhead he said my brother and i have made a find of igniferous palladium it runs at least forty-eight per cent to the kilowatt and we want to raise money for incorporation and materiel mr latchford said the banker i congratulate you on your discovery i recognize in you one of those wide-visioned broad-sided frog-eyed men that make this country what it is how much money do you want ten thousand dollars said tom five that evening when tom came home he told seth and men that he had arranged the incorporation at thirty thousand dollars and was going to order ten thousand dollars worth of machinery what machinery asked his brother any machinery said the promoter it doesn't matter as long as it's bulky the mere assemblage and erection of machinery added men thoughtfully as she helped the brothers to fried eggplant conveys to the investor a guarantee of bona fides but after supper seth lashford went to the kitchen dresser and took out of it the assayer's report upon the dirt that lay in an envelope unopened he ripped open the envelope and for a long while stood looking at the document with a frown upon his face i'll not sell stuff like that he muttered no sir i'll go broke before i sell it then he went out in the gathering dust and walked among the piles of dirt kicking it with his feet and picking it up in his hands when seth latchford came back to the kitchen where tom and men sat shucking butternuts there was resolution in his face tom he said when you sell out this company what do you expect to get tom looked up stopped shucking thirty thousand dollars at par he said ten thousand each for you and me and men perhaps a lot more you'll sell it to people here in town easy said tom there are enough suckers right here to buy it all and what do they get that's their lookout shrugged tom they can sell again if they're quick enough but sooner or later oh sooner or later someone gets stung but it's not going to be us seth sat silent a while and if we do let go of it now he asked where are we we owe the bank fifteen thousand dollars and we're ruined seth looked tom right in the face dynamic as he was the younger latchford's face fell see here tom evolved seth slowly i'll not sell those shares the brothers sat looking at each other their faces working if you don't said tom it's ruin i'll meet it said seth his face still working if you do said tom his face stopping working you'll meet it in the penitentiary tom said seth there's been latchfords in this place for four generations and never a thief among them six 
for two weeks after that the work at the palladium deposits went on and the latchfords walked around the plant avoiding each other tom keen and restless seth moody his eyes ever on the dirt only once tom spoke to seth the brokers have placed the first lot of my shares at par he said and they can sell more they say they can't list them but they'll sell them on the curb give me your shares now and men's and we'll sell them and get out seth turned on his heel and without a word went to the house he called his wife aside he took out the assayer's paper opened it and spread it out before her tom says he'll sell your shares for ten thousand dollars men are you going to sell off that stuff and he tapped the paper fiercely to our friends and neighbors people of your own town men looked at the document the chemical analysis was beyond her grasp but the single item at the bottom estimated commercial value was plain enough even for a child no seth she said i can't do it it ain't right look men seth went on i want my name to stand right in this town if tom tries to sell out those shares could you get ten thousand dollars from your folks and buy them well, i might said men i doubt pa could raise it but if you want it seth i'll try seven the next day men started off to her folks in pennsylvania to raise ten thousand dollars and on the same morning the shares of amalgamated palladium limited went on the local exchange as a curb security and there was great excitement in financial circles in smudgeville the shares opened at eighty rose straight to par reacted to fifty sank down to twenty lay there gasping and then jumped to par again in four hops at two p m they were reported as restless at three buoyant and at closing time strong with an undercurrent of weakness that night tom latchford packed his grip to leave by the midnight express bound towards havana i'm off seth he said to say good-bye to men when she comes back if you're wise you'll get quick the shares will break to-morrow and then i'm not quitting tom said seth good-bye eight men came back two days later i got the money seth she said pa raced it partly on the steers and the rest on a mortgage too late i guess men said seth the shares went to five hundred yesterday and this morning they're holding out for a thousand dollars a share nine it was a week later that tom latchford sat in the colorado claro hotel at havana with a cocktail in front of him and four thousand dollars in cuban money to his credit and it was there he got a copy of a home paper sent him by mail he opened it with trembling hands looking for seth's ruin and instead of it he saw a big headline saying that amalgamated palladium was selling at two thousand a share and his hands trembled more last of all he read a two-column account of the discovery of graphite on the latchford place and he shook like a leaf all over meantime men and seth were sitting over their buttermilk in the kitchen living room adding up figures i can't cipher it out said seth but it's millions all right and what is the stuff anyway said men if it ain't palladium graphite is called said seth always notice those black streaks in the crushings i guess that's it i'm glad i didn't sell if i could have bought back those shares i meant to give them to tom didn't i men oh certainly said men so did i and i'm glad too we didn't sell i felt bad about it all along seth 
and when i saw that assayer's paper where it said commercial value ten thousand dollars a ton a light broke in on me and i saw it wasn't right but i still don't see why those shares jumped up that way the damn fool assayer he must have put some new york guys wise to it they were just waiting for us likely i doubt men whether those new york financiers are quite as easy as they make out in the story papers that's so subsided men and where tom was a bum promoter seth was wrong in underestimating the commercial value of scientific analysis applied to the basic data of modern business number three our business benefactors an after-dinner symposium as reported by the humblest of the guests no said mr spug the host of the party as he held one hand on the stem of his port wine glass and kept his second after-dinner cigar in the fingers of the other no sir i never could do fractions he looked round the table with a sort of pride all the other men except myself grunted assent and what's more added spug i've never felt the need of them to this day there was a chorus of approval spug of course is a big man one of the biggest men in rubber so they say on the continent there were other big men present at the dinner too there was a big shirt man and a big fruit man and a man at the end of the table that i had frequently heard referred to as the napoleon of frozen meat in fact as has been indicated in earlier pages of this book in such a gathering as this there were certain to be several napoleons present who were spoken of as regular napoleons perfect napoleons and so on they are always found in any business gathering there were some revolutionists present also one man was pointed out to me as having revolutionized the dried apple business another had revolutionized the sale of weatherproof paint and a third was working up a revolution in eggs in short they were a typical group of what are now called big men men who do big things they were not thinkers they were men who don't need to think so it is naturally most impressive to hear these men say that they had never done fractions in their lives if big men like them have no use for fractions what earthly good are fractions anyway but what interested me most was to hear the big men talk of the sidelines the things that they carried on as mere appendages to the main interests of their business lives how's that university of yours getting on spug asked the big pope man better said spug we've got a business man at the head of it at last and he's putting it on business lines we expect that our next balance sheet will make a pretty good showing that's good said the other then they both fell silent to listen to the napoleon of frozen meat who was talking so i gathered presently about the church that he controlled he had the napoleon was saying no pep no punch sunday after sunday it was the same thing every sermon you know just so much straight theology well you see a congregation won't stand for theology today they want something up to date two or three times i got hold of the old fellow and i said to him can't you take up something that will let the people get away a little further from religion but he couldn't it wasn't in him couldn't you retire him asked one of the listeners not so very easily we had no written contract you know just the old-fashioned appointment by letter it was forty years ago when they put him in 
and all the original letter said was as long as it shall please god to bless his ministration well i began to say what can you do with that our lawyers admitted that they couldn't make sense of it then there was all that trouble about the churchyard went on the big man pausing to light a new cigar you remember that churchyard that there was all round our church with the willow trees and the gravestone and the old slabs laid flat right on the grass several men nodded well you know that sort of thing is a pretty poor ad for a church the stones were old half crumbling and there wasn't a willow tree in the lot in decent shape of course we wanted to level it all out clean out the old monuments cut out the trees and turf it neatly put a good gravel motor drive in a crescent right through it well the old fellow stood out against it and without his consent so our lawyers said we ran a certain risk in removing the dead there is some old law it seems against breaking the repose of the dead it has no application i understand to an up-to-date cemetery but it applies here so we were stuck meantime the churchyard was doing us harm a congregation don't want to drive their cars among graves over grass the broken stone will blow a tire as quick as anything well what did you do asked bug oh we got him out all right the big man went on we managed to get him in a corner on the pension question and he let us have his resignation and who have you got now we've got an a one man all right he was with the presbyterians though i think he'd been an anglican for a while before that but we went straight after him met him at his own figure and signed him what are you giving him asked bug fifteen thousand said the napoleon puffing at his cigar you can't get them for less or not good ones they simply won't come they know what they're worth there's an insurance company that would take our man at fifteen thousand tomorrow he's pretty good is he asked one of the men absolutely first class he's the best publicity man i ever saw in a pulpit you've seen that big sign he's put up with great gilt letters just where the old willow with the sundial under it used to be every week there's the topic of the discourse in big lettering so that people can read it from their cars and those are the people mind you that we're going after under the old fellow we had i suppose the poorest congregation in the city a church can't get very far with them there was a general growl of agreement and every sunday some new up-to-date subject not theology you know but something that will hold the interest of the people last sunday for example he preached on the holy land he was there for the standard oil people six or seven years ago and he showed it all so vividly we fixed a moving picture machine where the font used to be with the borings that they're making for oil near damascus and the new derricks at the sea of galilee it was wonderful but that's a pretty heavy sum to pay him one of the guests said i don't know how your funds can meet that just the other way said the big man we make on it with a live man like that you get it all back last sabbath day our offertory alone broke even with the week's expenses that will show you the class of people that we're attracting well that's certainly pretty good assented several of the men yes and more than that take the overhead now in the old-fashioned church the overhead was everything light and power alone were among the biggest items that they thought about well we've changed all that you can't exactly cut out the overhead altogether in running a church but you can reduce it to a point where it doesn't matter 
and what we find is that with plenty of current receipts from social entertainments concerts and lotteries and dances and so on we don't have to worry about the question of light and power at all in fact we never think of it the speaker paused and the host took occasion of the pause to start the port wine moving round and to beckon to the butler for more cigars whereupon the general talk broke out again and the purely spiritual tone of the conversation was lost but i couldn't help revolving in mind as i presently wended my way home the wonderful things that the big business men are doing for our colleges and churches End of chapter five